Welcome to Esserai Illusions. We are continuing our holiday coverage, and we are continuing our... Well, I was about to say, guess guess what we're doing, but you probably saw the episode title first. We are continuing... We're, we're going to switch things up. That doesn't mean we're not going to cover a ranking bass. We're going to cover one that actually isn't really that batshit crazy. It's, that actually is kind of a change. As I was getting ready to record, I was thinking about kind of a reality that we have with Christmas specials and Christmas shows. We watch a lot of mediocrity, and not only that, but we watch a lot of mediocrity again and again and again and again because it's tradition. Hallmark movies are, are basically kind of centered around this idea. If they didn't realize that they could churn out just an empire of low-budget movies that were awful, but people and people knew that they were awful, but they would keep watching them, if they didn't think that was a good strategy, they would consolidate their budget a bit, make fewer movies. They'd still probably be awful. They wouldn't be very high budget. They would be higher budget. They wouldn't be like, I don't know, those Hallmark movies are terrible. But people know that the Christmas genre, the holiday genre, we know that everybody will tolerate a lot of shit because that's, hey, that's kind of the point. And I've thought about this a lot because, so we're recording this, it is December 9th, and thinking about, you know, we're kind of, if you're somebody who really thinks about like their their Christmas lineup or the things that they like to watch, we're starting to get to the point where, you know, er- early in December you can watch things that aren't Christmassy. And now, now if you haven't been doing that, and if you're somebody who cares, and I'm gonna take a gander. If you're listening to one of our more obscure Rankin Bass episodes, and we'll get started in a bit, you're probably one of those people who who likes to really engage with this shit and and feel the festive spirit. But lately, it's been, you know, nighttime comes, and I've been scrolling the apps, trying to think. The stre- streaming apps. I usually refer to the apps. Uh, a little bit of a crossover with our uh, dating dating podcast episodes. That's usually what I call the apps. But I've been scrolling the streaming apps, looking for something Christmassy. And hot damn, there is a lot of just shit. And it's what we do, because it's Christmas. And... You know, with Rankin Bass, we, we there's been so many that are just batshit crazy and bad, and you're cringing. Nestor, the long-eared Christmas donkey. I mean, you watch that. It's the kind of special that manages to straddle the line between batshit crazy and painfully boring. It's a... A, a lot of them tend to... Pinocchio's Christmas, Jack Frost, a lot of them tend to fit this bill. When we have First Christmas, Story of the First Christmas Snow, we actually have a Rankin-Bass special that kind of fits the bill of what I was just talking about with streaming. You know, you're wondering why I started off with an aside. No, we actually, with First Christmas, Story of the First Christmas Snow, that's not a... I'm, I'm saying the name correctly. There is a... We, we've got First Christmas twice in the title. And it's actually... It's a huge anomaly... In the Rankin-Bass canon, it's why I think more about the Hallmark movies and more about if you open HBO Max or Hulu or Disney Plus and you see a lot of crap that you don't really care about, but it's there and it's something that's supposed to make you feel in the festive spirit, but really just something that you wish you had a lot of alcohol because what person would want to watch any of this shit sober? No, that's basically First Christmas, story of the First Christmas Snow. It is not a batshit crazy special. There is, there are some elements in it that are like a head scratcher, but it's it's actually it's pretty normal. And beyond that, it's also pretty coherent. So, bit of context: this special was filmed in 1975, 
And it is probably most known, kind of bummed we didn't do it last year, it's starring Angela Lansbury, who has, uh, who recently passed away. Angela Lansbury is probably most known to audiences for a very impressive 12-season run on Murder, She Wrote, one of the definitive detective shows in uh, all of TV history, and that'll probably remain the case for as long as we have the medium. Here, Lansbury voices Sister Teresa, who is... I'd actually have to say she's probably the most normal of all of the protagonists, I mean, of all of the narrators. And... I say that we all love, if you've listened to enough of these, you know that Year Without a Santa Claus, by far my favorite, Shirley Booth, Mrs. Claus, that's really the definitive Rankin-Bass narrator. And sure, I mean, the really the definitive Rankin-Bass narrator, the one who made sure that we always would have a narrator from the rest of them on out would be Sam the Snowman. Fine. We get at least a semi, I don't know, I mean... First, the first Christmas story of the first Christmas snow. Boy, that's a fucking mouthful. It is kind of one of those weird specials that kind of takes place in the past, and yet it takes place in the present. They're, you know, it's supposed to be the 1850s, and it's they're at a church, and they're making Christmas cards because the nuns don't have any money for Christmas presents, and yet a major plot point later is that Lucas, this young blind uh, orphan, needs to figure out what he's going to get the nuns for presents. I mean, a little bit of a card probably would have been nice, and he decides instead on valuable livestock. I don't really know why. Uh, That's a bit of a plot hole, and we are certainly getting ahead of ourselves, but it's always weird when when you do a period thing that's supposed to be about the first Christmas snow, supposed to be magic, and they're singing White Christmas, which is obviously not that old of a song, they're relying heavily on established Christmas tropes that we all know, and they wouldn't have known back then. I, I say this, and yet I imagine the listeners kind of rolling their eyes, being like, you know, is this really, really something to nitpick? I don't know. The Christmas cards are nice. It, 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 do we need origin stories for Christmas cards? I don't know. I mean, I, I'll say this, actually. I don't know how much of a defense this is, but... As I was sitting there watching it, and and she's making Christmas cards, it is kind of a reminder that that these there's a lot of craftsmanship that went into it. And she said, you know, we don't have money for presents. It is kind of like getting you send Christmas cards mostly to people you wouldn't actually get gifts for. So it is kind of a nice gesture. It is something to think about. Why w- would we want to think about that? The role of Christmas cards? I don't know. I haven't. I haven't sent Christmas cards as an adult, and some of my friends have, and I really like them, and I've gotten Christmas cards actually from some people who have guested on this podcast, uh, who I didn't know beforehand who came on to promote something or whatnot, and, and that's very nice. I really actually, it does make me happy. I wouldn't have ever expected a gift from any of those uh, people, close, not not particularly close acquaintances, but I did, I did really like the card, so I don't know. That's actually... Thank you, First Christmas, story of the first Christmas snow, for reminding me that I can be... I've thought about for years doing, take like a picture, do a Christmas card, and send it to my followers. Uh, maybe get like, my mom does Shutterfly. It's expensive to kind of, I don't know, I've always kind of wanted to do that once. Uh, it's one of my regrets, Tara and I were together for three years. We always talked about doing a Christmas card. COVID kind of got in the way. Surgery also kind of got in the way for one year. 
actually, yeah, I mean, unless we were going to do it our very first Christmas uh, between surgery and COVID, actually kind of, you know, it's funny how COVID kind of ate up people's lives for a little bit of a stretch, you know, a couple years. <laughs> but uh, so the nuns are making <laughs> back to the special. There's not a lot here, guys. Uh, so the nuns are making Christmas cards and there's a storm and they get a bad feeling. They have to go. There's actually there's a boy and little orphan boy who apparently has a full time job. But the nuns discover he's on top of a hill. There are some wolves there that look kind of scary, but the storm hits, and somehow uh, Lucas gets hit. Lucas, the little shepherd boy, he gets hit, and he's blind, and he can't see. I guess it's established he was not struck by lightning, but there was some shock from the storm that made him go blind. Uh, I did Google this to see how, how medically likely it would be. I'm not a doctor, I'll, I'll just say this, apparently it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. It's not a, I mean, is it psychosomatic? I don't really know. You'd have to assume that maybe it is later on. But Lucas is a pretty good, he's established as a pretty good shepherd. He has uh, Waggles, which is his sheepdog, who is also very skilled at rounding up the sheep. It's kind of like... Lucas is very quickly established as a helpless orphan, despite, I mean, he adapts to being blind very, very well. He's able to go out and find his sheep later. But despite having this profession, and as we talked about in Nestor, the long-eared Christmas donkey, livestock are valuable. Back then, like, you couldn't barter, like, you couldn't go to somebody and say, well, I, I have a Nintendo Switch, I'm hungry, could we maybe come to some, can I sell it, maybe get some money to buy something to eat? No. They don't have a ton of assets. Real estate was not really that much. I guess we're dealing with the 1850s, so real estate would be uh, somewhat relevant. But but for somebody like Lucas, who's a wanderer, a shepherd, I mean, that's very valuable that he would have that. This is a, He's not like a damsel in distress, necessarily. And that's kind of... There is some... I don't really... It's not necessarily my place to talk about ableism, but I don't really like the trope of... And we see this a lot. There's that Lindsay Lohan Netflix Christmas uh, where they have amnesia, the, the movie that just came out. I don't like tropes where somebody, where something bad happens to them, like they go blind or something, and then the magic of Christmas wait, uh, heals all. Because I mean, like there are there are blind kids out there. What does this special teach them? Does it give them? It gives you know maybe snow will cure their cure their blindness. Uh, I don't. It, I don't want to take out the pitchforks for the old, like, oh, I'm blind, but the spirit of Christmas made me see. But I'm pretty comfortable saying, hey, this is pretty fucking stupid. So, at the church, we have this guy, Father Thomas, and I... I guess one thing that I like about first the first Christmas story of the first Christmas snow is we have a couple of people who are kind of operating in the role of antagonist. We have both Father Thomas and then these three boys who are tricksters and fuck with the sheep later on. They are antagonists in the sense that they're not really pro-Lucas. Father Thomas doesn't really, he's, he's like, what is this boy doing here? What can we do What can we do with him? Where's his family? Where are his co-worker? I mean, his co-worker, I guess, is the dog. Uh, he's really not that big of a villain. But uh, he, and, he and Sister Teresa sing this song called Save a Little Christmas. I, I, I don't know. It's kind of another one where you're sitting there being like, 
is this is this the story of the first Christmas snow, or is it something that that's based on you know what people around the fireplace or around the TV watching this special are, are familiar with? It operates into uh, give us give us a true authentic eighteen fifty four Christmas, please. That's just all I'm asking. I don't think that's too much to ask. I don't. I, I'll say this actually: we don't have a Frosty cameo. We don't have a Rudolph cameo. I've had trouble placing the first Christmas story of the first Christmas snow where they could potentially put somebody in for Rudolph and Frosty Christmas in July. Maybe uh, we don't have a lot of women in our Avengers team up that includes Rudolph, Frosty, Jack Frost. It really should include Nestor. It should include the little drummer boy. And it really, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't put Lucas might be the obvious choice to put in the Avengers team. I would actually probably put sister Teresa in there, see what she can do. With the healing power of Jesus, Big Ben, she could ride the whale, Jonah and the whale. I don't know how many people can follow anything I'm saying right now, so let's go back to the plot. So Lucas kind of settles in with the orphanage. They're preparing for their nativity play, and Lucas meets Louisa, who's kind of his romantic interest. Because what would a Christmas special centered around a young orphan be without a love interest? That's exactly what we need. I'm surprised that Nestor didn't have a love interest, but uh, Lucas has Louisa, and the boys... This is something that kind of bothered me right from the get-go. They're complaining, so Sister Teresa wants to include Lucas. You know, it's nice, you have a young orphan, he's, he's going through a big life thing with his not being able to see. He's apparently, I guess, lost his work because he can't be a shepherd. That's not really talked about, but... So he's going to be an angel, and he's going to be in the chorus for the nativity play. And the boys are angry about that because they say they already have enough angels. Now, this is something, I mean, I think we can all remember for them from, like, middle school or high school. Sometimes people just want to be exclusionary. People still are probably like that. They want to be exclusionary, not for any real sensible purpose, but just because they can. But I went to Catholic school from pre-K through the end of uh, my undergraduate, with the exception of for two years in high school, I went to public school. So I know Catholic school pretty fucking well. And I know at church or at school you can never have an, you can never have too many angels and you can never have too many people. Lucas would probably know this better than most people, but he could dress up as a sheep and crawl. That's what the young kids do. You never have too many kids for a nativity play. And you have to wonder like these guys like what what little orphan boys, little posse of boys are getting all angry that there's going to be another angel in their chorus? I mean, I don't really know. And at this time also, Lucas is talking about how he'd really like to see a white Christmas, even if he couldn't see. And it's cringe because it's clearly setting up what the plot of this, this little short film is going to be about. And yet at the same time, it's kind of needlessly Pollyannish. Like, this guy's got different... Like, he's got other things to worry about. I don't know. Maybe he's awkward with all the help that the, the church has been giving him. He's in a new place. Shouldn't he be worried about his sheep? I, I don't know. And, and it's not like snow has ever really come on Christmas anyway. It's The whole thing is a little weird. So once they're done practicing the nativity of which boys who are... How many bullies do you know who get really up in arms about the number of angels in a, in a church chorus? I'll say this too. They seemed like typical schoolyard bullies. Not, I mean, none of them 
none of them seemed like the kind of people who would care about the composition of a school chorus. Uh, I am trying not to, as a homosexual, sound homophobic. It doesn't necessarily... Uh, it's just something that's there. These don't... These are not the kind of bullies... <laughs> I, I, I think... <laughs> everybody gets to the point. It's just weird. It's just a weird situation. So that dissipates, and people need to go home and wrap presents, which I guess they haven't done. I I don't know. 1850s, like, wrapping paper? I, what are they using to... Are they getting, like, Thomas the Tank Engine wrapping paper from CVS? I, I don't know. That's maybe a nitpick, but... So the boys, who are not the kind of... I guess they really are the kind of people who get up in arms about a court. Let's... We need more heteronormativity when it comes to people caring about compositions of church choruses, I, I've got to say. What straight person gives a rat's fuck about, the, about a chorus? It's... it's I can't wrap my head around that, but... The boys decide to hide all of Lucas's sheep named Wooly. I don't know. We're not going to go through the sheep names. They hide them in a tool shed. Why? I, I think, honestly, because this special is 24 minutes and they needed a bit more of a plot. They needed maybe like two more minutes of plot. But, uh, I, you know what? There's that. That's probably somewhat of the main reason. But there's also the idea that Lucas kind of... There is kind of the aura of divinity. You've got the church and, and the idea that Lucas is such a good shepherd that he can find people, he can find his sheep in the dark and he can even figure out that one of them's hiding in a hole. Felt What kind of sheep fall in a hole and don't die? I mean, the boys, uh, well, so that we're getting a lot ahead of ourselves. The The boys put the sheep in the tool shed and then somehow they get out and they, they run pretty fucking fast and they run away and Lucas and w Waggles are able to find them. And there's not really suspense with who did it. The nuns are, like, you know, they were just playing a prank. They really are nice boys. Normally, you'd be like, how dare you, sister? How dare you carry water for this toad? And yet, the boys do kind of do a 180 fairly quickly. They do seem legitimately remorseful. I don't like to carry water for bullies. I don't really think, you know, I don't approve of what they did. I don't think hiding sheep in a tool shed. First of all, it's noisy. First, it's just a bad prank. It doesn't make a ton of sense. It, it also just speaks to the bigger issue of what are these sheep doing at the farm? Uh, I was about to say at the farm. They're not at a farm. They're at a church. So why did this happen? It happened probably because they needed more plot. But, you know, I, I've had a lot of complaints with the way that bully bullying is handled in these specials, specifically in Rudolph and... I guess also in Nestor, m m most specifically. I don't like how people get bullied, and then with, like, the, the bully, the people who are bullied then have have an obligation to then help the people who did the bullying. Here, Lucas is the recipient of a mean-spirited prank that the boys kind of come to their own senses. They don't want anything from Lucas, but they do understand that what they did was wrong, and Lucas is magnanimous. They find the sheep. Nothing really came of this, and we do get something that does kind of seem like remorse. So I don't... I get this criticism a lot. Some people say that I'm wrong for being angry that Rudolph chose to forgive Santa and all the other people who were mean to him and that he saved Christmas. I, I, I tend to think Rudolph shouldn't have done that, and Rudolph should have said, fuck you, Santa. Here... The bullies did something wrong, and they were remorseful, and Lucas chose to be magnanimous. I, I it, it, It's okay. I've had people who have said 
transphobic things to me or, or not been very nice. They apologize, and I don't really want to carry – like, I forgive not because I necessarily think they're great and I like them, but uh, I don't want to carry that around with me anymore. And Lucas, Lucas does seem to be coming from that train of thought. If I had to save these people's Christmas, would I fly around on a sled with my nose figuring right? No, I probably wouldn't. But there was dignity in the way that this was handled, and I, I can appreciate that. So they rescue the sheep, they get back, and it's time to do the pageant. And uh, I guess they're doing the pageant kind of outside because Lucas is able to feel that it's raining. But it's not actually raining, it's snow. And the snow is so magical. He's sitting there, he's got his moment, he's got his girl. I mean, what made it, what might have been a better resolution for this special is... I mean, Lucas really demonstrated his abilities to be a shepherd, uh, even even in the dark. There's wolves around. We don't get a menacing. There's no unnecessary death. Nestor's mother doesn't die in this. I mean, Nestor isn't in it, but we don't have unnecessary death here. Nobody dies. But, I mean, Lucas is actually a pretty good shepherd. So, I mean, the idea that he's performing in the choir, he feels the snowdrop, and it restores its, his sight, I, I don't know. You know, we've got our songs, we've got White Christmas, we've got The First Christmas. Uh, it's kind of sweet, I guess. But his sight gets restored, and for whatever reason, Lucas, I mean, we, we start this special talking about how there's no money for presents, and yet Lucas feels kind of obligated to give his sheep and his dog to the church. And it, it, it can't be because he can't care for them. We just saw that he's actually pretty good at that. No, I mean, he, he felt kind of obligated to give a gift to somebody. I don't know. I don't want to say, like, I'm down on Christmas presents or anything. But it, if you're in that kind of dire straits, if you're literally at an orphanage and you have valuable live, livestock, if you have assets, uh, why are you just giving them? I don't it kind of, it, it honestly, it speaks to the commercialism in, in Christmas. This isn't necessarily, this is not nitpicking. This is actually kind of a, a valid point. Uh, but what do we get? We actually, we get the Hallmark ending because he gets his sight restored. And does Sister Teresa give the sheep back? No, but she points out that he needs, that she needs, she doesn't know anything about sheep. I mean, that's another thing. This is a worthless gift to give somebody because she, I mean, she can't take care of sheep. It's actually... If somebody gave me a flock of sheep for Christmas, those sheep would be worth a lot, I guess. But I wouldn't want them. I don't know. I, I don't have any room. Like that would be a fucking nightmare. That'd be. A, it's like the Twelve Days of Christmas song with all the birds. I mean, somebody's got like six hundred birds. What are you supposed to do with that? They're all birds. Those are all like. If somebody gave me six hundred birds, I would be furious. I would never speak to them again, and I wouldn't even take the birds. So I don't know why we're giving sheep here. It's only happening so Lucas can stay, the tear, the snowflake that cured blindness and made everything better, and oh my god, how beautiful that Chris, it was just everything was saved by the healing power of Christmas, people, it wasn't Jesus, this is actually probably, it's one of the more religious, it takes, you see, here's the weird thing, I'm like, I'm pausing as I'm thinking about it, because I'm, I'm thinking, this is not the most religious. Both Nestor and Little Drummer Boy are far more religious. And yet this literally takes place in a church. It, if it takes place, there are nuns as the characters. And I'll give some credit. Sister Teresa, when, when talking about whether Lucas can stay, she looks over at Father Thomas, and Father Thomas says he should be around people who love him. So we don't really have true villains in this. The boys are not really villains. They... Are really just kind of filler, and Father Thomas is not a tremendous dick. So, 
that's kind of where we're at with this. I, I didn't really like the blindness. <laughs> but I, I don't... What I like about the first Christmas story of the first Christmas snow, I really don't like the title. It, it is kind of fun to say, I'll be honest. Uh, so is Nestor, the long-eared Christmas donkey. And in all the recording, all the times we had to stop, or recording that episode, I never had to stop because I said that wrong. I did. We did have to stop this one once because I said it wrong. Boy, talk about I'm complaining about filler, and I'm talking about where I needed to stop when I was talking about the titles. But that that kind of speaks this. This special is not that great, but it's also quality wise pretty good. It's actually one of the better ranking basses because it doesn't have a lot of batshit crazy filler. The filler here is actually pretty reasonable. So that's kind of nice. I don't know. I don't really have a, a ton to say about this. The characters are solid. The voice work is great. Angela Lansbury is a lot of fun. Uh, this isn't... It's like, if you like Rankin Bass, you'll probably like this one. The stop motion is pretty good. We're, we're kind of... To, to loop us back to where we started with, with kind of talking just about the quality of Christmas stuff in general... We we kind of we we kind of have an oddly normal predicament for Rankin Bass. You know, you have you have your titans of of the genre, your Rudolph, your Year Without a Santa Claus, uh, kind of Santa Claus is coming to town. Certainly, Little Drummer Boy, and then you've got the batshit crazy ones after. But then you've kind of got this one, which is kind of dare I say batshit normal. It's not really batshit at all. the the plot The plot is fairly contained. It doesn't drag. It's this. This special doesn't halfway through look for something else to do with its runtime. It's fairly cohesive. So we have a product that's pretty well put together. Is it that great? No, it's it's really not that, that, that great. And it's also not that terrible. So if you like Rankin Bass, you'll probably like this one. This is not a great special. It's not one of the all-time greats. It's also not terrible. So that on the weighted Rankin Bass scale actually makes it come out pretty good. So... <laughs> what else what else can he say other than thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time <laughs>